This morning, we are going to bring to a close our sermon series on the book of Acts. All summer long, for the most part, we've talked about famous stories from the book of Acts, sermon series called Stories We Know. It's volume three. We had volume two last year. That was stories from the Gospels. We had volume one the year before that. That was stories from the Old Testament. And this Sunday, today, we bring to a close the Stories We Know sermon series. And this is the last one. Uh, I'm not going to do this in the summertime again. So we've had three years straight of famous Bible stories, and and we're going to take a break from that for a while next summer. But I don't want to get too far ahead of myself. But I want to get ahead of myself a little bit because I want to talk about some upcoming changes. Again, I already previously mentioned that next week we are moving our worship service to 1030. So 1030 a.m. we'll be here uh, for our worship service, and uh, that starts next week. And also next week starts a brand new sermon series, and that's called Knowing Your Enemy. And uh, I'll let you try and decipher the image that's on the screen and figure out exactly what that's all about. But next week, we start Knowing Your Enemy. Five weeks, the entire month of October, talking about the devil. And um, so uh, that's what we're going to talk about in the month of October. In the month of November, we're going to talk a little bit about worship. We're going to talk three weeks about worship. There's got to be something wrong. There's something imbalanced in the universe. I'm going to spend five weeks talking about the devil and then three weeks talking about worship. And then we're going to talk about Christmas. So it's right around the corner, folks. It's right around the corner. And um, I think there's something like uh, 92 shopping days till Christmas or something like that. And even more important, there are only 25 shopping days till my birthday. So, (laughs) um, you know, throughout the book of Acts, as we've listened to the stories and we've talked about these famous stories all summer long, There's a thought that comes to me, there's an idea that really kind of permeates the entire book that goes through the whole thing, and that is nothing stops the gospel. Over and over again throughout the book of Acts, we see that nothing stops the gospel. The gospel goes forth time and time again. And we're going to talk today about that very topic, how nothing stops the gospel. Well, the title's a little deceptive that nothing stops the gospel, because I think there's only one thing that can stop the gospel, but we'll save that for later. Uh, If you'll turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter 27, we're going to begin in verse 27. These are the last two chapters of the book of Acts, and we're going to talk about Paul in a a shipwreck. um, Paul has appealed to Rome. He is under house arrest. He has incited riots. Um, He has appeared before two Roman governors, Festus and Felix. He has appeared before the the ruler of the region, King Agrippa II, Herod Agrippa II. Uh, He he is on a ship headed for Rome. So he's headed for Rome on this ship, and a big storm comes out. Um, This huge storm comes up. It's throwing the ship all around, tossing it back and forth. And an angel appears to Paul and uh, tells him that everything's going to be okay, that they're going to all survive the shipwreck. Turns out, 14 nights later, they are still on the ship. They are still in the midst of the storm. At the, it says there in the beginning of Acts 27 and verse 27. And so they're on this ship. Uh, they, uh, the people are hungry. The, the shipmates are hungry. Paul gives them some food. Um, 
He tells them that an angel appeared to them in Acts 27, I think it was verse 14, that an angel appeared to him and told them that they would all survive the shipwreck. I'm sorry, that was Acts 27, 24, uh, which says, uh, do not be afraid, Paul, you must stand trial before Caesar, and God is graciously giving you the lives of all who sail with you. So everyone's going to survive the shipwreck. The ship is going to wreck, it's going to break, break apart, fall to pieces, but everybody is going to survive. And sure enough, that's exactly what happens. They're approaching land. They can tell that they're approaching land because they can hear the breakers of the water uh, getting close, getting close like they're approaching land. They, set, they drop out uh, soundings um, into the water, and they can tell they're 120 feet out. They drop them off a little bit later, and they can tell they're 90 feet out. Uh, they're, they're 90 feet deep. So they're getting close to land, and they're afraid that they're going to run aground. And sure enough, the ship wrecks Breaks a piece, breaks to pieces. Everybody grabs a plank. They all wind up on the Isle of Malta. So they get to the island of Malta, and uh, it's a little funny story about the island of Malta. During VBS this year, uh, we had this very same Bible story, and I was in charge of the Bible stories this year, telling the Bible stories downstairs. And it's because of the story of the island of Malta that I bruised my ribs. You may be wondering, how in the world does a snake bite on the island of Malta make Sean break his, uh, crack his ribs or, or bruise his ribs? I felt like they were cracked. I felt like I was dying, actually. Um, uh, I was playing the part of Paul. And this is what happens to Paul. He, they arrive on this island of Malta. The natives there are very friendly. They build them a fire, and they welcome them to the island. When they built this fire, a viper, a snake, a viper, uh, is chased away by the heat, comes out, and it attaches itself to Paul's arm. Bites him on the arm. Now, this is a viper, right? This thing is going to kill him. These are very deadly snakes. So I'm playing the part of Paul, and I'm there with all the kids, you know, and I'm telling them about this terrible island of Malta and the snakes and everything, and, and uh, I grab a snake, a fake snake out of the fire, and I throw it on my arm, and I'm sitting there writhing about, oh, no, I'm in, in, in the snake, and I throw myself to the ground. I won't do it now because I learned that lesson. I throw myself to the ground and land right here. And uh, I roll over onto my back and go, <gasps> and all I feel is pain. In the meantime, all the kids are looking at me as I have this rubber snake attached to my arm, staying in character the whole time, mind you. I suffer for my craft. Um, so I've got this snake on my arm, and all the kids are looking at me. Never mind the fact that I, the look on my face is one of incredible pain. I can't breathe, and the kids start going, fake snake, fake snake, fake snake, fake snake. Thanks, kids. I'm dying here. <laughs> so I take the snake, I throw it across the room, and I look at my wife, and I'm like, I tell the rest of the story and move on. Anyway, uh, had some x-rays done. Everything's fine. Everything's healed up. I feel good. <sighs> Anyway, that's exactly what happened to Paul. He didn't bruise his ribs as far as I know, but he gets bit by the snake, and the snake is going to kill him. Only the fact, the thing is, is Paul pulls the snake off, the snake doesn't kill him. The, the natives are amazed. They can't believe that the snake didn't kill Paul. And they, they, they thought that he was a murderer because he got bit by the snake, that it was kind of like karma coming back to get him. Oh, he must be a murderer, and that's why he's a prisoner, and, and the snake bit him, and he's just getting what he deserves. He doesn't die from the snake. So instead of thinking he's a murderer, now they start to think that he's a god. Paul's like, no, 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 I'm not a god. He, he makes that clear that he is not a god. And they stay on the island of Malta for three months. And uh, you, can, you, you better believe that Paul, knowing Paul like we do, that during those three months, he was telling people about Jesus. Because nothing stops the gospel. Not even nature. 
That's the first blank on your outline this morning is nature can't stop the gospel. Not even nature can stop the gospel. Not a shipwreck, not a snake bite, nothing stops the gospel. You know, I think about some recent events, natural disasters in our world uh, that not necessarily tried to stop the gospel but could have prevented the gospel but instead had the opposite effect. Here in Griffith, a few years ago, we had a tornado two years ago. Remember that? It's kind of hard to forget. The damage and the devastation. And I think about when that tornado hit and the next day, our brothers and sisters from Reed's Temple went to the north side of town and they were handing out bottles of water and hot dogs. See, they were creating opportunities to share the gospel. And I love that. That tornado also had a secondary effect here at First Christian Church. See, Tony Martinez and a couple other guys are building an emergency response team so that the next time, we pray that it doesn't happen, but if there is a next time, if there is another disaster in Griffith or in northwest Indiana region, we're going to be ready and we're going to respond to that because we're going to demonstrate God's love and we're going to share the gospel by responding to a disaster. I think about Hurricane Katrina down in the Gulf Coast, New Orleans. And all the churches that work together to share the gospel, to repair that region, to restore that region. It was a devastating time in our country's history. A lot of blame game going on. But you know what the churches did? They said, we're not going to play the blame game. We're going to go down there. We're going to help. Our own Daryl Grubbs has gone down there several times. Creating opportunities to share the gospel. I think about the earthquake in Haiti earlier this year. Major, massive devastation everywhere. And what happened? Churches and Christian mission organizations got together to send relief, to demonstrate God's love, to show God's love down in Haiti. Why? Because nothing stops the gospel. We got to get it out there. And we're going to, you know, even if there's a natural disaster, nothing's going to stop the gospel. We move on in our story. And we, uh, we get to uh, Rome. Paul arrives at Rome in chapter 28, verse 11. After three months, we put out to sea in a ship that had wintered in the island. And uh, they go to Rome, and Paul gets, is placed under house arrest. See, Paul was a Roman citizen, and he was able to appeal to Caesar. He could take his case, the, the accusations made against him, he could take them all the way to, to Caesar. It'd be like uh, you know, getting a traffic ticket. It's actually worse than getting a traffic ticket. But let's say you got a traffic ticket and you said, I appeal to the Supreme Court. And they took you and your, Supreme, and your, and your traffic ticket all the way to the same court, Supreme Court. Now, obviously, that's not going to happen. Most likely not going to happen. I pray that it doesn't happen. But Paul was able to appeal all the way to the emperor. And like I said, he appeared before two governors. He appeared before the king of the region. And now he was on his way to Rome to appeal to Caesar. And that's exactly what God wanted to happen. God wanted his message, his gospel, to go all the way to the ruler of the world. Nero was the emperor at the time. He was the ruler of the world. And the gospel was going to go all the way to Nero. In Philippians chapter 1, verse 13, I love what Paul wrote. Philippians 1, 13, Paul wrote, It has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. It has become clear to everybody in the palace. This is when Paul was under house arrest in Rome. All he did was talk about Jesus. It has become clear. It has become evident. It has become crystal clear. Everybody knows why I'm here. You know why everybody knew why Paul was there? Because Paul wouldn't shut up. 
He wouldn't stop talking about Jesus. The whole time he talked about Christ. He wrote the books of Ephesians, Philippians, and Colossians while under house arrest in Rome. People came and visited with him. He called the Jews together to come and hear about Jesus. And he spent his whole time talking to the guards all about Jesus Christ, spreading the gospel. Look at uh, Acts 28, 30, and 31. For two whole years, Paul stayed there in his own rented house and welcomed all who came to see him. Boldly and without hindrance, he preached the kingdom of God and taught about the Lord Jesus Christ. Boldly and without hindrance. Nothing stops the gospel, not even people. The Roman Empire imprisoned him, kept him under house arrest, and they couldn't stop him. They couldn't stop the gospel. People can't stop the gospel. They have tried. Governments have tried. Kings and queens have tried. Lawyers and legal experts have tried. Dictators and despots have tried. People have tried to save the gospel, tried to, to stop the gospel, and they can't. Not even people can stop the gospel, even though they may try. In uh, Romans chapter... Uh, sorry, Romans chapter 1, verses 16 and 17 says, I am not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes, first for the Jew, then for the Gentile. For in the gospel, a righteousness from God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. The gospel is the power of God to save, and nothing stops the gospel, not even people. And they do try. They will try, but they will fail. Nothing stops the gospel because it is God's power to save. And honestly, folks, the gospel is the most important message in the history of the world. The gospel is the most important thing that people hear. It is the most important thing that we talk about is the gospel of Jesus Christ because in the gospel we learn that we can trust in Jesus for salvation. And there is nowhere else that we can trust. We, it's not your parents' faith that will save you. It's not your grandparents' faith that will save you. It's not trusting in your church. It's not trusting in your baptism. It's not trusting in your, minister, in your minister. It's not trusting in your good deeds. It is not trusting in a sinner's prayer. It is only in Jesus Christ. It is only in Jesus that we can be saved. It is only by putting our faith and trust in Christ. And it's a very simple process. It's a very simple plan of salvation that God has created, that God has made available for us. We've got to believe that Jesus died on the cross for our sins. We've got to repent and turn away from sin and turn to God for forgiveness and for salvation. We've got to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, that he is our Lord and Savior, that he is the Son of God, that we, we have to confess our faith and we've got to be baptized for the forgiveness of our sins to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Not that the act of baptism saves you. It is faith. It is grace faith expressed in baptism, that's when we're saved. We receive the gift of God's Holy Spirit and we go on to live a faithful life. But you can't, you can't find it anywhere else. It's not in Buddha, it's not in Muhammad, it's not in Confucius, it is not in yourself. It is faith in Jesus Christ that will save you. That is the message of the gospel. It is a free gift of God's grace. You can't buy it, you can't earn it, and you can't be good enough for it. Heavens know we try, heaven knows we try, but we fail. We cannot do it any other way other than God's way. And that is a free gift of his grace. Nature can't stop the gospel. People can't stop the gospel. And the best news of all is that Satan can't stop the gospel. 
Satan can't stop the gospel. Now, I don't want to get too far ahead of myself. We're going to talk about Satan during the month of October, and I'm going to talk a lot about how he tries to stop the gospel. But as I look through the book of Acts, I see that Satan tries just about every trick in his arsenal to stop the gospel. He tries persecution. He incites people to persecute Christians, including the apostle Paul when he was Saul. He incites, he tries to get, he tries to divide the church over theological issues. He uses division to try and stop the gospel. He uses fear to try and stop the gospel. He uses the Jews to try and stop the gospel. He uses the Romans to try and stop the gospel. But you know what, folks? You can't stop the gospel. Nothing stops the gospel. And I encourage you to come back all month long in the month of October to hear more about Satan. And... Uh, <laughs> Especially the fifth week of October, October 31st, when we're going to talk about the destiny of our enemy. I'm not tooting my own horn or anything, but that's going to be a good one. All right, I'm just letting you know. It's going to be a really good one. Nature can't stop the gospel. People can't stop the gospel. Satan can't stop the gospel. Nothing stops the gospel. Except one thing. Well, what do you mean, Sean? You said nothing stops the gospel. Like I said, that title may be a little bit deceptive. You see, there's only one thing that can stop the gospel. Christians. What? Christians stop the gospel? What do you mean? Oh, we're supposed to be sharing the gospel with everyone, right? Christians don't stop the gospel, do we? We're, we're, we're supposed to tell the good news to our friends, to our children, to our relatives, to our family members, to our, our co-workers, to our neighbors, to strangers. We're supposed to talk about the gospel to everybody. We're supposed to share the gospel with everyone. We're supposed to tell people about Jesus. That's the point. We, we are the only ones who can stop the gospel. Does that make sense? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, give us boldness like Paul had boldness. Give us courage and take away any fear when it comes to spreading the gospel. Lord, we have seen how in, throughout the book of Acts that nothing stops the gospel. Yet in our world, it seems like the gospel's not advancing. And it makes us wonder, why? It's because this message that you've entrusted to us this gospel that you've given us can only be stopped by us when we don't share it. Help us to have those opportunities this week to tell somebody about Jesus, to spread the gospel so that someone might hear, they might believe, they might can repent, confess, and be baptized. Thank you, Father, for the gospel. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We offer an invitation each Sunday, and today is no different. We want to offer an invitation to you. If, a couple of different things that we invite you to do each week. One is if you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus, if you've never been baptized, we invite you to come and do that today. Or if, um, if you want to join our family, you want to become part of our family as a church member, uh, we invite you to do that. If you've been worshiping with us for a while and you like what you see, you like what's going on here, and you want to become part of it, you want to identify yourself with this body, this family of believers, we invite you to come and, and join our family just by 